sorry I don't love you A fresh I've grown accustomed to Cause with you if something isn't wrong Something isn't wrong Something isn't right Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back, and before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you a little bit about our current sponsor. Support for this podcast comes from Justin Maybe Design. Are you sick of your current website? Is it outdated? Does it need a facelift? Maybe you just wish it worked better. My website was recently redesigned by Justin Maybe Design, and in just a matter of hours, They took my website and made it so much easier to navigate and control with full website builds, search engine optimization, and a focus on training for all clients. Justin Maybe Design is ready to make your online presence the best it can possibly be. You'll never feel out of the loop ever again. Justin uses Squarespace to create all of his designs. There are no patches or plugins to update and you never have to worry about making sure your website works correctly. Plus, there are always tutorials and 24-7... Plus, there are always tutorials and 24-7 support if you ever get stuck. Interested in a website redesign or building your own website from the ground up, check out justinmaybe.com for a full line of training resources, pricing for full builds, and a blog with tips and tricks to get the most out of your Squarespace site. If you mention this ad, you'll get 20% off your first year of hosting. Again, that's justinmaybe.com, and his last name is spelled M-A-B-E-E. There will be a link in the show notes, so you can just go ahead and click on that and mention this podcast, and again, you'll get that 20% off for your first year of hosting. And now we are going to go on to today's topic. We're talking all about Thrawn today with Sean Gonzalez. Sean, how are you doing? Doing quite well. How's everything going? Not bad over here. I am definitely excited to be talking about this book because... I had not read any of the Thrawn novels before. I do have the Legends trilogy sitting on my shelf right now because I bought them all from thrift books quite a while ago. But if anyone knows me, they know I have lots of books, so many books that I cannot keep up with reading them all in a timely manner. But because we've been talking about a lot of the Star Wars books lately, especially the new ones in the current canon this felt like a good place to start and plus there's a second book coming out in the next month or two i believe so we have that to look forward to but what was it about thrawn that made you want to just read this book and discuss it today um i think it was mainly that they were redoing the character because obviously the Legends trilogy is pretty much what started the EU back in the day in the 90s. And the fact that they had Timothy Zahn rewrite the book for the new canon, I thought was really interesting. And then obviously by the time this book came out, Thrawn was already introduced in Star Wars Rebels. Right. So it was a, it was a good, I don't know, it was a good way to see what they were going to bring forth to the character, if what changes they were going to make and how they were going to adapt Thrawn for the new canon, and maybe explain why he went missing, because the timeline in the old trilogy was after Return of the Jedi, and now this is before A New Hope. So it was kind of more of just wanting to see what they were going to do with the story. Yeah, and one thing I noticed when I started reading this book was that the first part of it had been adapted into the comics. I believe it was a six-issue 
Thrawn miniseries. And I had read that. And when I was reading the book, I was like, why do I know what's happening right now? (laughs) And it was one of those things where I was like, oh, because I read this in a different format. So they're they're certainly having more types of media ingrained in the canon because you know, before the Star Wars comics weren't quite as big, if I'm remembering correctly. I don't know how much the older ones tied into the films and everything like that. But now you have Rogue One being adapted into the comics, The Force Awakens being adapted into the comics, as well as all of the novelizations that we're getting for the movies, too. So they're definitely going all in on the various forms of media. But the book gave you so much more than what that miniseries did, because you know, the miniseries sort of covers those opening moments where, you know, Thrawn has like this long hair and he's kind of just hiding out in the wild, basically, and picking people off. So it was that setting that the comic adaptation took place in. And then it strays away from that, especially when it focuses on Orinda Price, who, as we know from Rebels, is Governor Price later on, which happens in this book, too. So what did you think about moving away from Thrawn and focusing on her character quite a bit during the novel, too? Um, I think it was a good transition because, obviously, Thrawn has this very distinct and pretty like well-rounded logical side to him, and he's very good at adapting his strategy and knowing what the enemy will do based on a lot of art studying and a lot of just being a comprehensive um, Navy naval officer. Whereas Price is like at the very beginning and she's still kind of trying to figure out where her place is. And she doesn't exactly always do the correct thing to, you know, better her career. She's constantly like, working under people who aren't really doing anything for her. And then she tries to go and blackmail them. And then Thrawn's like, well, now you're in a position that you can do one of two things. So it was really good to see that how Thrawn was able to start from scratch and take an apprentice basically with his journey. And then also see Aridna Price kind of lollygag a little bit, but then ultimately perform her duties to be where she wanted to be from the start. But it just seemed like, it took a little bit longer, but I think that Price had a lot of really interesting narratives in terms of being all for herself, while Thrawn has more of a um, predetermined area of what he wants to see happen. So it was, you know, it's very much like someone already knowing what they're doing and someone who's figuring out what to do. Plus, the two characters do cross paths multiple times during this time period because this stretches a good length of time too. you know, we have him going from being in the wild to being in training to becoming, you know, this, that and the other rank, because he goes through them so quickly. And, you know, a lot of time has passed. But with Price, I'm not sure she's a big enough character to have been able to have her own book necessarily. But she is a very important character as far as you know things tying into rebels goes like you mentioned you know we see both of these characters in that show and they have pretty prominent roles there because they're some of the biggest threats to the rebels at various points in time and i think they did a very nice job with integrating her story in a way that didn't make it feel like you were wondering 
why is this person here and why do we care? They made you care enough about her to where you're like, okay, I see where this is going. And you sort of start to piece together how her and Thrawn get along. Yeah. And I think definitely the storyboard of Pablo Hidalgo Hidalgo and others at Star Wars definitely had wanted to bring these two together for Star Wars Rebels because it really adds a backstory to uh, at least season three when you know that Thrawn has, you know, kind of blood on his hands due to Captain Price. And that's why at the end of the book, um, he basically says that there's often symmetry to such things. And as Rebels plays out, you kind of see Price blow up again. As she does in this book, she kind of is all over the place with her morals, her goals, and she's just trying to look out for herself, whereas Thrawn is trying to see everything, including what she's going to do to kind of betray the Empire again. So it was really well done in terms of the symmetry between how Price plays out in this book to how Price plays out in the show. And I think that was a nice addition to detail. Exactly. The big relationship to talk about when it comes to this book, though, is the fact that Thrawn brought on Eli Vanto to sort of just work under him for a good chunk of his career. We see them, you know, in training together, and then Eli just keeps getting assigned to Thrawn, basically, throughout the book. And while he's initially not thrilled with it at all, to say the least, he sort of warms up to the idea of working with Thrawn throughout the novel. And you see how the two characters complement each other throughout, too, because, you know, Eli can definitely learn a lot from Thrawn and vice versa, because, you know, Thrawn is unusual. And he has a lot to learn about the way things work within the Empire. And he still pushes a lot of people's buttons along the way, too. But he's too important of a person and gets the results needed for them to really do anything about it. And I think that's what makes him a really interesting character, too. He's sort of a rebel within the Empire, but he's not going against the Empire, so to speak. He's just doing things the way he sees fit instead of following orders to the letter. Right. And I think that Timothy Zahn really wrote this almost almost like a buddy cop because like obviously Eli Vanto is underneath Thrawn and gets frustrated that he can't have a promotion. Um, right. And it kind of feels like he's being held back. And there's a lot of the typical Empire narratives brought in where they don't really like aliens. So... Of course, they're not going to promote Vanto while he's under Thrawn, but Thrawn keeps getting promoted, but he's going through a lot of hardships. Like Plenty of times he's under command of someone else and they give him a hard time or they try to blackmail him or I'm pretty sure he was court-martialed at least twice in this book alone. And both yeah. times <laughs> he was you know, obviously cleared because he did what the Empire was doing and what they wanted. So there was always a sense of what is the ultimate go- goal for Vanto and why is Timothy Zahn writing this book in this way? Because there was always these um, italicized portions to every chapter and it almost felt like it was, you know, guiding lessons or an ultimate like meta reveal of what that chapter was going to be like. And come towards the end of the book, you obviously find out that Eli Vanto is going off to the unknown regions with the uh, Chiss and, that is 
that literally blew my mind because I was like, well, it, it kind of makes sense, but Thrawn was just using Vanto as part of a game, and that's where that whole preconceived notion of what Thrawn wants from what he's doing comes into play. He has now the Emperor on his side, and now he has someone he trained to see the patterns that Thrawn sees in his enemies, going to help out the people that he was, quote-unquote, kicked, kicked out of, which we then find out that he was just leaving to try and do exactly this. So I think Timothy Zahn really wrote a really good relationship between the characters, and I was so happy to be Eli Vanto, because that's basically what I felt while reading it. I was Eli Vanto learning under Thrawn. It was a very good, like, blank slate. It's like, all right, I'm this guy. Like, how would I feel being under Thrawn? And what am I learning while reading this book about what Thrawn is doing? Yeah, you definitely have those moments where it's very clear that Thrawn does care about how successful Eli ends up being within the Empire, but he doesn't know enough about the politics to understand why Eli hasn't been getting promoted like he has. And it's always interesting when Eli is sort of explaining these things to Thrawn, and you can almost imagine the look on Thrawn's face sort of just being like, well, that's stupid, <laughs> without having to necessarily say those words, because you and I have seen him in Rebels, so we do have this actual picture of what he looks like within the universe. We don't need to have seen him in you know, the live action movies or anything like that necessarily to have this picture of him. And it's a very accurate representation of what would go on if a superior were willing to take input from, you know, an officer beneath them. And Thrawn is never really bossy, so to speak. It's like he respects Eli's knowledge and understands that Eli knows things that he doesn't, so he relies on him probably a little more than Eli might want to rely on Thrawn, just because Eli, like I said, isn't thrilled that he doesn't get to go do what he wants to actually do in the Empire. Yeah, and it's definitely funny when you have Thrawn, who's this very intelligent naval officer, call on Eli's, like, translation, please, or like, you know, what word am I looking for? And it's right. just, it's very funny because, I mean, watching Star Wars these days, and I went and saw Solo last night, and it's the way that they're connecting this universe, at least for this time period, is going beyond insane right now. But being that, like, starstruck, outer rim kid, and then having a myth of, like, oh, yeah, there's these these blue aliens, and uh, they're, they're a chiss, and it's just being that kid, and obviously being like, oh, yeah, Timothy Zahn is reintroducing this. And, you know, it kind of had the same idea of when it was first released it's like whoa there's this blue alien guy who just took over the empire and just kicked ass and now we get to see it again and then you get to have this second character to really look up to Thrawn and understand what he's doing it was very well done and I think the way that they're bringing that to life all these different myths these different stories these different universes that are constantly expanding is really cool and I really hope that Eli Vanto comes back at some point because obviously the second Thrawn novel is coming out and it looks to be kind of about Thrawn and Vader. So we'll see how that happens. But I really want to see Eli Vanto again because he was he was basically all of us reading this book. He's just this character that has a myth and then finds him and then is now a partner to one of the greatest military minds in the Star Wars history. 
Yeah, it was definitely easier to see things from Eli's perspective than it would be from Thrawn's when you're reading this book. And you mentioned the next book possibly being between Thrawn and Vader. So why don't we go ahead and discuss a little bit about the times that Anakin ends up being mentioned in this book. And they also mentioned the Death Star too. So that gives you an idea of you know, like you said, when this book is taking place. Plus, it's always helpful that Star Wars has like their own timeline so we can all keep track of these things because it's a lot to keep track of. Like I said, between just the movies and books alone, you're like, okay, when are all of these things happening? And as you know, because you've come on to talk about multiple books already, there's so much new information out there too. And they're taking characters in all these different directions just to give us these tidbits of stories even and you're like okay let's put this all in a row so we can see what's happening when and keep track of everything and because of the fact that this book spans a lot of time too you're going to get a lot of different little easter eggs from the star wars universe in general exactly and that's exactly what that anakin name drop was it was an easter egg i mean so they built thrawn up to be this really smart, intelligent naval officer. And this also happened in the Tarkin novel, and this also happened in Rogue One Catalyst, where the Death Star gets mentioned without it having to be a formidable threat. Um, And that's what I really love about what they're doing with these books, is they're having people on, we're the outside, we know what the big project they're sending a bunch of resources to is. But having these people decipher it and understand it is really you know, really, I don't really know what to say. It's, it's, it's not so much of a secret that the Empire thinks it is. But to everyone else in the world it is, except for these few people that have the knowledge of, oh yeah, let's, let's trace all the shipping routes. Let's trace all the type of uh, resources that are being mined up from planets and where they're going and why smugglers are getting paid more by the Empire to kind of have this resource available. So the Anakin name drop, though, was cool because Thrawn mentions that he has served next to Anakin Skywalker and kind of deducts that Anakin is Vader. And it's a very kind of mind-blowing thing because we don't know that story. It's not mentioned in Star Wars Clone Wars. It's not mentioned anywhere else. So that's just like this big realization that this this universe is a lot smaller than we think. And I really like it when they like to try and connect everything. Um... And especially in Solo that came out last night, there's some connections to the Clone Wars series. There's some connections to Rebels. They're making this a really good connected universe. And even though it is this big, giant galaxy, I really like when characters know of each other because that makes it feel like there is an ultimate endgame. Or we already know the endgame of what happens in Return of the Jedi, but there is multiple stories that help bring people together. And we don't know exactly why Thrawn left the Chiss ascendancy. We don't know exactly what is out there, but a lot of people can speculate that has something to do with maybe Snoke because that's where he's from the un- he's from the unknown regions. So there's always this like kind of whimsical attitude towards books, movies coming out and all the background lore that we don't know. But when a book like this comes around and it's like, "Hey, here's the Death Star. Thrawn knows about it." And he kind of uses it as like not blackmail, but as leverage. He tries to show how smart he is. He's like, "You're building this. We know." And we obviously know in Rogue One Catalyst that Krennic was trying to build it, um, get all the resources for it. And Galen Erso figured out 
they're making a weapon out of all my research. Or like in Tarkin, there are people figuring out that there is something being built that they cannot find at that, at least in that book. So it's a very interesting dialogue between all these different characters in the Empire that are getting all these secrets and figuring them out. It's just, it's really cool when they build these narratives and drop these hints because we want to know what those stories are. We want to know more about how they can be this intelligent or be across multiple mediums like comics and books and TV shows. And who even knows, maybe a movie at some point. The fact that they mentioned the Clone Wars at least a couple to a few times in this book too. I wasn't totally keeping track, but I know it was brought up. So you have this tie with Thrawn to the Clone Wars and like you said, Anakin, and then we can track this book all the way through to Rebels. So having, you know, the Clone Wars animated show and Rebels be such a big part of the story, even though they might be seen more as you know tv shows for kids so to speak because when people see animated shows unless it's something like you know bojack horseman or family guy or something like that where you know it's adult oriented it's likely that people are going to be like oh well i don't really watch animated shows so maybe i won't watch those but i know for a fact that fans of star wars like the two of us will have no problem watching animated cartoons to get more of the story because both shows were well done. You know, they had their ups and downs, but for the most part, they add a lot to the story and having Thrawn be tied to both eras basically is really interesting. And you sort of get this feeling that Thrawn pops up in a lot more places than you'd expect. Yeah, and there's this, there's also what was really cool about the Clone Wars era being brought into this book was the use of vulture droids and the use of, uh, I think it was two Clone War era Corvettes being used against his uh, Chimera, or right. not maybe not maybe his ship, maybe that was a Thunder Wasp that was being attacked by those, but just the use of those shows that this world still has remnants of the Clone Wars. And even in Rebels, they show that. They had battle droids come into a, uh, play for once. Um, but it's cool that you can obviously see that Thrawn knows about this anyway. And I think that was like the most interesting part where he's like, all right, this is a vulture droid. When was it used? Okay, so then he makes it work for him. And then he understands how they were used. And he understands, like obviously, about the Clone Wars and why the empire is here so having that knowledge and seeing him put it to play to his advantage was extremely cool especially when all the vulture um when the vulture droids were attacking later on and he knows that they're being programmed from somewhere so if you get them in the shadows they're going to have a little bit less control or they're going to have problems with their communication and that works out for him or having the buzz droids take him out of his uh prison cell because he finds out that this can be remote piloted and he uses two of them to his advantage, even after the Empire told him, stop playing with this. It's like, these are just toys. What are you doing? And it just goes to show that Thrawn really likes to understand what everything is happening or why everything is happening and what purpose they had 
to allow him to understand his enemies. And it gets brought up in Rebels all the time where he understands Hera's lineage because of her family heirloom. And he understands what the purpose of the Rebels group on Lothal is trying to do. It doesn't always work out for him because, again, the Empire has so many different plays happening, especially with the Death Star being near complete by the time Rebels comes around. But, um, yeah, being able to trace different elements to different eras is why I like being a Star Wars fan. And that's why it's fun to read these kind of books or watch these kind of movies. And that's why, that's, I don't know, we can go into this later, but that's kind of why I'm not having fun with the sequel trilogies because there's nothing really to trace back. It's like, all right, but these new movies, Rogue One, Solo, all the books that are coming out in this era are just loaded with references. And it just feels good to be like, oh, I want to go research that again. Or, hey, I remember that from this episode of The Clone Wars. So I think that has been something that I have taken for granted, I think, especially with a lot of the new stuff coming out that is set late and later on. But for this era, I know some people might say that it doesn't need to be explored, but I think there's so much more to explore in here. And I'm happy that they are still going to be doing that. Yeah, you mentioned Thrawn always knowing why something is happening or wanting to know why something is happening. I think what Timothy Zahn does really well when writing this character is you always get this feeling that Thrawn is the smartest person in the room without him having to beat you over the head with it. And even when he needs help from Eli with, you know, certain translations, you know that Thrawn is always willing to do what it takes to learn everything he possibly can about a subject and basically become an expert on a bunch of different things that people probably wouldn't expect. So whenever he faces some sort of challenge, he's prepared for it because he's done all of his homework, so to speak. Right. And that's what makes uh, this Eli Vanto character really, really intriguing when it comes to just trying to learn exactly how to be like Thrawn. And even while we're reading the book, we're trying to do exactly that. We're trying to think how this person can think because there's obviously this big story going on where there's someone named, uh, is it Night Swan? I think his name is yes. Night Swan. Yeah, it's Night Swan. And so Thrawn is trying to figure out how to best Night Swan, what exactly his ultimate goal is. And so at the same time, we're also trying to deduct that. We're trying to be like, all right, so how does this tie in Night Swan? And you end up learning that everything that Thrawn goes through in this book is tied together through that one character. And then when it comes down to the end of it, he meets Night Swan and he outsmarts him. But then there's this overall mutual respect, which I think isn't shown a lot in other Star Wars mediums. You know, you don't really see like people juking it out with each other and go, I respect what you're doing. And I am, I don't think that me just killing you because you have done something wrong is the way to go. And that really comes into Thrawn's character. It's not just him killing for fun. It's him trying to outsmart him. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to kill him because he can, he wants to outsmart him while doing it. And that's just, it's just such a beautifully written rendition of a character that would already had a great rendition of a character. So I think it's just such a, such a great portrayal again I don't think anyone was disappointed with where this book went. Whereas in Rebels, it doesn't really play out entirely perfect. But from this book, this book was flawless in terms of bringing the life of Thrawn into 
the new canon. Right. I do have one question I want to ask you, because when I really started diving into Star Wars, I was always on the side of the Rebels and everything like that. So to read this book about Thrawn and enjoy it as much as I did, I almost felt guilty enjoying it so much. Did you ever feel that way when you read this book or you know even if you like other characters within the empire does that ever make you feel sort of guilty you're like i know i probably shouldn't like these people but they're just so interesting that you can't help it so i will say that i'm a diehard fan of the rebel alliance mainly because i really have always loved y-wing since i was young i don't know what it is but the y-wing bomber is like the ultimate thing i've loved ever since <laughs> the star wars movies came out i was like oh any game that came out i wanted to play with a y-wing anytime there was something i mean i have a y-wing lego sitting probably two feet from me <laughs> but i think what the books in the og era or like you know the original trilogy era have done is open up not this like sympathizing like tone for or mood for the like empire but it has opened up how the empire functions and I think that's more interesting than how the Alliance functions, because obviously we saw Rogue One, and that's basically like the big kickoff, the big send-off. Um, I read the Jin novel. I read the um, Leia novel, obviously, that was set in the original trilogy. And while they're great, they have this more emotional cadence to them, whereas these books have more of this logistical structure that is very, very, very interesting to read. Um, you see it with Krennic in Rogue One Catalyst, which, and he's he's just trying to make his way through the Empire ranks. You see it in Tarkin, and you know Tarkin's this really big, ugly, menacing person, and in the book Tarkin, you know, you get a sense that he's a person. He knows what he's doing. Right. And same thing here. You root for Vanto because you want you want to see that promotion. You want to see the end game of Thrawn. And while we know about the Death Star, it is kind of like this little like nerd feeling where you're just like, oh my gosh, they're talking about the Death Star. Yes, even though we know the Death Star gets blown up. It's just, it doesn't necessarily make me like want to join the Empire because it seems very, uh, very bad. <laughs> it doesn't seem like the most fun life from all the books and movie portrayals we have um, obviously been a part of. But I do think that it is fun to root for these characters in the Empire, you know. You root for Krennic in Rogue One Catalyst because he just wants to, he has this goal, right? You know, we're all we're all humans here. There's obviously things we want to have happen. And seeing Krennic go out of his way to make sure it happens, while also manipulating someone into doing it, makes you, you know, there's this little, like, wedge. It's like, all right, Galen Erso obviously doesn't want to be used for a military might that can destroy the world, but Krennic is a man of determinism. He's going to do it. Whereas in this book, it's like, all right, we want Vanto to succeed because, like, it would have felt really bad just being like, oh, yeah, he died under Thrawn, and now Thrawn's this, you know, it just wouldn't have made sense. So having Thrawn be this, be this teacher is so interesting, but it also goes beyond just the Empire because there is an ultimate goal for Thrawn that doesn't involve the Empire at all. He knows that the Empire is the best way for maintaining the order in the galaxy, but we don't know exactly what he wants out of that order besides obviously helping his lineage and his people back in the Unknown Regions. But we don't exactly know what that endgame is. So it's kind of this re... I think Disney itself has been doing a lot with villains in all of their franchises, whether you look at 
Thanos Infinity War or Loki in the Avengers series or, um, you know, even Killmonger in Black Panther. These villains have more than just a, I'm a bad guy. And that's what I think the Disney Star Wars has been doing in a lot of their mediums. And I think especially if people go see Solo, they're going to find that out as well. The villain isn't just a villain. The villain has reasons. They have an order to follow. They have money to be made. Sometimes it's just about money. It doesn't always have to be like, we just want to wipe out the Earth. There's always these little different elements that get brought in. And with Thrawn, he's technically a villain in Star Wars Rebels. But in this book, he's more of a you know, anti-hero. He's not necessarily just wanting to make the Empire the most powerful thing in the galaxy. He wants to better himself, better his rank, and help his people. We don't know what that endgame is, but it's cool. They give him a lot of substance just with this book. And, you know, we learn a bit about him in Rebels, which his appearance there probably came... I want to say just before, right around the time of this book. I'm not entirely sure on that because Rebels had a slightly weird schedule for a bit. But it's one of those things where they take these characters that they know are going to do well in one medium, probably, and they build upon that. Because, you know, if fans didn't like, say, Captain Phasma as much as they did in the force awakens i'm not entirely convinced she would have had her own solo book that you and i both read and covered previously on the podcast so it's one of those things where they are giving these characters a lot of substance which is sort of the same treatment they had given the heroes the rebels over the years so it's nice to finally see everything come out in so much detail on both sides of this seemingly never-ending war Right, and I think that that gets brought into um, brought into fruition because I mean we we as Star Wars fans obviously have our own characters that we like, but all the characters that they're covering have these you know complex backstories, and uh, Thrawn was introduced in Rebel season three before he was uh, before the book came out, and I okay. think that was well, yeah I think that was well done because they I mean they could have made the book anyway. But I think having two mediums to dissect them in was pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, the way that they're making these characters is more and more interesting because it's not so just black and white. Obviously, the Darth Vader was the most complex character we had in the original trilogy. And that got brought out and really, really, really heavily hit upon from The Phantom Menace through you know, the movies, The Clone Wars. And now here we are still dealing with him. We still have stories of Anakin that we don't know. And that's exactly what the second Thrawn book is going to cover. What is this story with Darth Vader and Thrawn? Do they have a kind of like partnership? What was their first meeting? There's all these different ideas behind like the villains. And I think the Star Wars universe is really just kind of letting that go and just trying to make characters that have their own moral reasons, have their own ways of doing things. And a lot of time, it always ends up with just trying to better their own career, which is what we see with Aridna Price, what we see with Phasma, what we see with Thrawn. They're always trying to do something else that doesn't necessarily mean Empire or nothing. And that kind of shows that maybe the Empire was a little bit flawed. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, and I suppose it's a little different with Thrawn because he was part of the Legends novels too. So he's not a new character like Phasma was, but he's still being brought into 
canon in a way that is interesting and makes him a character worth following along, whether it's with the books or, like I said, the comic miniseries that adapts part of the book and even, you know, his appearances in Rebels because he pops up here and there. Like you said, he shows up in season three and then we have this big ending in Rebels that involves him. So he's a character who can show up in a lot of different places for a lot of different reasons. And I think that's what makes this book very interesting too, because you get a taste of that throughout the whole thing. And, you know, when we get to the end of this episode here, I do want to sort of discuss what we might be reading next to follow this up. Because when you first told me that you wanted to talk about this book at first I was like oh it's like 500 pages this is going to take me a while but it really doesn't take that long to get through this book because once you start reading it you're like wow this is so interesting and I think I ended up giving it a four out of five on Goodreads which is in my opinion a pretty good rating and I think you know maybe we could have had a little less of the price storyline just because some of it I was like, wait, what is this really tying into here? And while I do think she was a nice addition to the book, it would have been interesting to see a little more of her interacting with Thrawn, in my opinion. We only get these sort of very brief scenes with the two. Yeah. And so I think I think what Price ended up being a part of was this overarching or overarching style of stories being told with the empire's hierarchy because it becomes so much of a who can backstab who into gaining their role or position in the naval force or the governor force or whatever kind of position they want to be in it's happened throughout almost every single novel that has come out set with the empire and i think that this goes on along into you know, Rogue One, and it goes along with Solo, and it goes along with uh, The Empire Strikes Back, where people are making, mis- you know, either mistakes or decisions that are going to end up costing their career. And I think that is a lot of this dog-eat-dog world that I think kind of needed to be told, just because it wasn't really told enough in Thrawn's part. I mean, obviously he gets court-martialed twice, and the people that he worked under who made mistakes and Thrawn proved why they made mistakes through basic and uh, battle analysis or just knowing the enemy. It was developed more with Price's character where she comes in and she realizes that her friends, like her only friends that have stuck with her through her terrible job under the governor of um, the Coruscant or the governorship of Coruscant basically have been blacklisting or blackmailing the empire. So she has to make it her job to bait them out, get them, you know, into the public knowledge, public realm, and then she can get a better job. And that's happened with Krennic in Rogue One Catalyst. That's happened with Tarkin, obviously, and Krennic in uh, Rogue One, where these people are always just trying to advance themselves to get the Empire's benefit, whereas Thrawn was just doing the right thing to win the battle. Where Everyone else is backstabbing each other, which I think is what the overall allegory of Price's character motivations were, this is how you do it in the Empire. Whereas Thrawn is like, this is how you win battles and gain the Empire or the Emperor's favor without having to backstab anybody. Even though he knows that Price caused the disruption on the planet, the last planet that they were on in the mine, they, him and Yularen, who was also in the Clone Wars, by the way, um, they know that Price did something wrong. 
and they're going to let it play out. That's why Thrawn's very, like, uh, there's synergy in such things. He's going to let that play out, and it's going to be the end of her regardless. So I think that's kind of what Price's character tied into, and that's why I kind of thought it was interesting. Um, and plus it was just, you know, being a lonely citizen in a big city, which I think a lot of people can relate to. So that was, it was an interesting tie-in and it just, again, it continues the empire's narrative of these people are just corrupt bureaucrats stabbing each other in the back. They're not really, you know, thought provoking military leaders, which is probably why the rebel alliance won, you know, they underestimated them and even Tarkin underestimated them. He, he had his position. He was on the death star he even's like, why Why should we retreat in our moment of triumph? Like, he's underestimating and just like everyone else in the Empire seems to do. It's a very comprehensive look at how the Empire continues to be this cyclical pattern of officers, I guess. Yeah, Thrawn definitely stands out in that way. Before we wrap up here, is there anything else you want to touch on as far as the book goes? Not really. I'm excited for the second one. I hope we see some more reoccurring characters, and I hope that there are some things that make sense. Why was Thrawn in the current galaxy at the time of the Clone Wars, and why was Anakin there? I'm really excited to know, because obviously there's this giant timeline of the Clone Wars series. So, um, And obviously the, the book cover also has Darth Vader, so I'm really excited to know about that. Why Why is Darth Vader here? Why are Thrawn and Darth Vader like buddies, you know? Yeah, and the second book comes out on July 24th. So we don't have too terribly long to wait for it. We have about two months, slightly less by the time you are all listening to this. But is that going to be the next Star Wars book you read? I think I might try to squeeze in one or two other ones. I've kind of had my eyes on reading the timothy's on trilogy that's been sitting on my shelf for a while now just because i'm kind of in the headspace to just keep reading more about this character um i would definitely say read them i th- definitely think there's a different motivation between this thron in the current canon than the old thron because obviously the old thron usurped an entire empire so he's trying to keep that in order whereas this one is trying to bring something to light for the unknown regions and the old Theron does that too but um i think the next book i have inferno squadron sitting on my desk which is a tie-in to star wars battlefront 2 story kind of that's the only thing that i have really i think looking up otherwise i know the thron book is going to be something i try and read in between like grad school and all that other stuff and i definitely will read it because it's it's another character. It's Timothy Zahn. It's probably going to answer a lot of questions that I have, and I'm excited about it. It seems like it's quite a bit shorter, too. The page count on that one is only 320 pages, so I'm sure the way you and I read, we'll probably be able to get through that one pretty quickly once it's out. Yeah, I definitely agree. It should be a, it should be a good read. I'm excited to get into that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Sean, for coming on to talk about another Star Wars book. I'm sure we will have you on for something other than Star Wars between now and the book release, because I know you like talking about movies as well and music. So we'll definitely plan something in between now and the book release. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. And to our listeners, as always, thank you all for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.